This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Wednesday, the 5th of July, 2023. More from the conventions and menus for all. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Yes. I don't know why I get so excited about some of these titles. I, I know, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's to do with food, of course. I'm so excited. Menus for all. I just think wow. if we did everything in that voice, you know, it could be absolutely anything. <laughs> Buses coming now. <laughs> just changes everything, doesn't it? It just changes it up a little bit. Oh, you're, you're just a broadcaster through and through, oh, sir. So I'm so tired today. Do you know what? Don't ever go to mm. bed at 7.30 in the evening the night before. Just don't do it. Just That's what I do every night. How I know dare you do. You? I know you do. But it's just, it's not good for you. I woke up at midnight, could not get back to sleep. What do you think happened next? Um, You you probably texted me. I haven't checked yet. Nope. Um, no. Um, what? Well, for once I didn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I instead got up and what would I have done when I woke up? What would, I would have got up. I would have gone downstairs. I would yes. have eaten. Exactly. Of course. Yes. Everything in sight. Well, which granted in, from he's not much. No. But, uh, <laughs> hey, well, I like it. Well done. <laughs> and we're off. I, I woke up last night about uh, 1 a.m. and uh, for no reason, just woke up. Yeah. And I had a takeaway and I didn't finish it. Oh, right, no, okay. not at that time. <laughs> you I mean, ordered er- one, right? <laughs> no, no. Earlier, I had a takeaway. I didn't finish it. And all I could think, as soon as I woke up, I think, there's a takeaway downstairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't didn't get up because i went back to sleep but when i woke up in the morning i got shouted at stephen scott i got uh, basically abused it yep. was a horrendous experience from my partner because uh, apparently um lady a the smart speaker alarm went off at 3 a.m oh dear. and i didn't hear it and no one else heard it apart from sarah who had to get up and tell it to shut up wow yeah and i got accused Right, un, un, unfairly accused. You set that alarm for three a.m. I know it was you. I, I didn't. I did. It wasn't me. So I went through the voice history in the oh. Lady Hate app, and do you know who said it? She did. Ah, <gasps> uh, yeah. No, hang on. Yeah. Right, hang on. Yeah. Now, once presented, I've got my coffee here. Right. So, so right. once presented with the evidence. Yes, your honour. <laughs> yes. What happened next? And and how is the uh, sofa outside? <laughs> I'll tell you what happened next. These smart speakers are terrible. You want to throw them all out was the <laughs> next argument. You love them, but they are terrible. Because when I played back what the command was, all she said was thrum. Oh, That's right. It. So it, it picked. So it's picked up something she was saying. <laughs> exactly. Not even Thrum. talking to it. Probably. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's we ridiculous. Think she was shouting at the dog because he was barking last night outside, <laughs> and because his name is Fletcher, sometimes mm-hmm. it mistakes that for the wake word. Yeah. And um, yeah. So all she said was thrum, and then it says three a.m. alarm set. So she's <laughs> she said it herself. Oh, I've been so happy this morning. Is that, is that, yeah, so basically you've uh, you've come back together yeah. on this, uh, you know. No, you, you, oh, no, right. Well, no, still uh, look, the, the point is, I was proved right. Or you and, were right. Yeah, okay. and or you're living as we on all that, know, in a relationship, that's the most important thing. Who was right? I have to say, my wife, my wife, my wife. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> she will very rarely say those words. Yeah, you were right, but she will say them. And oh, no, I think my, that's I've impressive. Never heard that. no, no, I think I think that's actually quite impressive because well, well done. you know, I, I am very lucky to have that in my life you are. that that I will be eventually told. I mean, sometimes it's weeks later. Um, very rarely, very rarely within, I would say, a six-hour radius. It's never really in there, you know. It's no, always kind it's never of weeks later. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then she'll say, "You know what? You were right about that." I actually oh. sometimes think, Can, uh, "Is that another heart attack? Am I going? Is it's this it? Am I smelling it. toast?" <laughs> I probably, I'm smelling toast. I have eaten so much toast. Yeah, I'm not sure if that toaster was a good buy. I'll be honest with you. Why? I, I well, I like used to eat a lot of bread. And yes. now I'm just eating basically toasted bread. <laughs> just bread. Just Not even toasted. The bread. <laughs> oh, so good, though. Every oh, time I... it delivers the same consistent toast. I have never had a toaster that does that. It always seems to either burn it once or, you know, sometimes it gets it right. Sometimes it gets it just about right. Sometimes it's just not enough. Okay, yes, you oh, love your so toaster. good, I Wait, do. We've got so much content to get through. We're talking about toast. Look, Sorry. people don't come here for the news. I mean, I know they do come here for the news, but they also come here to hear about they, us. No, and, they you don't know. at all. Yeah, Never. Okay. Can all I right. just say, yes. I want to talk about this. I've, I've purchased the Elgato low-profile mic arm. I know this is very niche. That's very but, boring. Wow, this is amazing. I know, you, you said don't talk about this, but you know what? I'm going against. I'm, I'm rebelling. This is such Hang a on, cool get, little mic Get on arm. the phone. No, get no, in here. I'm get sorry. Get in here. I'm, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's trouble in paradise. No, I love this thing. It's so cool. It's so well made. Explain this to people who don't know what on earth you're talking about. Okay, okay. Well, a a microphone arm. So basically in my shed, I have a little worktop, like a kitchen worktop, going from side to side. And above it, towards the ceiling, I have a shelf where I have my speakers and lights and things. Now, I want to put my microphone on that shelf so it, it hangs in front of my face. Because right, well, before this, I had a stand on my worktop. And it always gets in the way and it's never quite in front of my face and I'm always banging my head on it. So this Elgato low profile, which means it comes straight out. It doesn't go up in the air first, which I couldn't have because it would hit my ceiling. This comes straight out from the shelf just above my head and then drops down in front of me. But this is the first time. Usually when I buy a microphone arm, they're cheap. I'll be honest with you. You know me. I'm a cheap person. So, you know, 20 bucks, something like that. This one was, uh, let's say, $150, <gasps> something around wow, that. What's going on? Well, you know what? Transfer's going on here. I was going to treat myself. I just oh. wanted to treat myself. And it is, oh. it is beautiful. So there you go. If you are into your audio and your audio equipment, i got to say the Elgato Low Profile microphone arm. I love it. You can get the non-low-profile one as well, oh, which is the is. one that goes... It's Ugh. like the standard one, right? It's, but it's, well, you know what I like about it? You can put yes. the USB cable or the XLR cable or whatever cable you're running oh, yeah. inside it. You can do that with your one as well. You can actually run the cable can inside you? it. Did you know that? Yes, I'd have. No, you did I, not know that. I did. They're held on by magnets. Yes, that's I've, right. I've just threaded the XL, uh, XLR through, and um, oh man, it's just beautiful. I feel like a professional. I'll be honest. I'm not going to act like one, but no, I feel obviously. like a pro- I feel like a proper DJ. Oh, DJ. Oh well, weddings, Wedding. uh, <laughs> letter openings, all coming soon. Uh, well, look, I will say this. Yes, that's the sound of the double tap express train, which will not be stopping at uh, Sean's Elgato low profile arm. <sighs> Station this particular weekend. I'm afraid. You. Don't that should be, be a highlight. No, I don't think it is. Okay, but I do Sorry. think there's other things to talk about. Do you want to talk about stuff, shall we? Breaking news! Breaking news! Oh, okay, it's a bit cool thin news. on this one. No, um, no. 
Okay. Sorry. All right. Well, well look, uh, this is all from the conventions, right? Because I'm the so conventions excited. are going on this week. And there's lots of stuff going on. Now, some stuff, it's uh, some of the companies that are showcasing NFB and ACB, you'll see, for example, Amazon there, you'll see Google there. And they'll be talking about a lot of the accessibility features we know about. But mm. JAWS, uh, Vespero, of course, the company that creates JAWS, they are there in force at both events. And uh, at the NFB convention, uh, they're talking about a number of new features. I kind of teased this a bit yesterday because we were hearing some news about these new features. And Michael Babcock has been keeping us up to date. Um, Badcock, not bad cop. That's, that's a different thing. <laughs> that's like a, some kind of 70s movie that's gone wrong. Um, but yeah, so uh, this is a new feature that uh, Michael's telling me about. This is uh, JAWS Message Center which is out, and uh, this is in the latest version of JAWS 2023, uh, you now have uh, a more kind of notification, Windows notification style message center. So in old versions, you might remember when you started up JAWS, you would get a window that would pop up and tell you about maybe the new Freedom Scientific uh, podcast that was happening, and it would say, do you want to listen now? Do you want to be reminded later? And you might get other notifications from JAWS along the way about updates or whatever they are. I didn't like that. Yeah, well, it was just, it came up once and that was it, right? You couldn't mm-hmm. ever get back to it. But now uh, you will be able to get this dialog box anytime. And in there, you will have uh, the JAWS message center with the messages, which are placed in like an inbox type setting. And you can just arrow up and down through the messages and press enter to review them. Now, if you want to use this, you can use it in the latest version of JAWS 2023. You would uh, hold down insert, then press space. Uh, and then follow that by Shift, hold on, Shift plus M. Or you can access it from the help menu as well. And there's a search menu, in uh, mem- uh, menu I should say, in there as well. Can you can tell you- that my screen reader just spoke over me? <laughs> <laughs> That's always happening. Uh, you don't hear it, but I can hear it in my ear. Um, so yes, uh, insert space and then hold on, Shift plus M. Insert space, of course, opens up that JAWS layer for all yes. these different commands. I love the JAWS layer. There's so many cool things in there. And if you ever want to know what's in there, uh, because my wife was asking about this the other day. She's going my back wife. into, yes. She said, uh, how, how do I know what's in there? And I said, well, you hold down insert, you hit space, you hear that little noise, and then oh, you dolphin. get you hit the question mark key. Uh, you might need to hold on shift in some computers. Uh, basically, you uh, hit question mark, and then it will open up a dialog box with all the commands in there. Oh. And at each level of the layer, as you move through, so say, for example, you hit A, that takes you to acquire, and there are lots of other options in that layer. Then you can do the question mark again. It will tell you all the options, like document or scan or whatever it might be. So, so cool. Yeah, it's just there's lots of kind of built-in help, which I'm starting to find, which is cool. So, yeah, good good to know about. Do you remember when we used to say, you know, where's the resources? But mm. Jules has become, there's so much help, actually, that comes with it. It is really doing a great job now. Also, smart glance as well. Now, we do know about this because we heard about this uh, last year when JAWS uh, was 2023 was being previewed. And this is where, if you're unaware of it, you can basically utilize um, a feature of JAWS that helps you understand what's going on on a website. So, you know, how many websites have we been on to where there's no headings, mm-hmm. for example? Um, well, you might want to be able to use a feature like this to be able to kind of almost simulate where those headings are and you can do smart glance. That's uh, fairly... Uh, recent feature. But I want to look at next year because JAWS 2024 gets some preview notes this uh, at the event as well at the NFB this week. And uh, this one's pretty cool. So a feature that tells us about our video feed during a video call. So uh, there was a demonstration on screen 
Uh, and uh, in this, the guy, uh, Ryan, I think it was, who was hosting, uh, is moving the camera, and Jaws can tell you whether the uh, face on the screen is centred. Uh, it will also tell you the status of your camera shutter. You know, oh. if your laptop is, you know, maybe your, your camera shutter is closed, if you've got that option, uh, cool. you, can, you can actually see that. And there's other AI features being built into that to tell you what else is in your environment as well, which is quite cool. Quite cool. Could be quite handy, that. <laughs> yes. Well, it could also be terrifying. Like, there's a person to your right. Like, you're sitting in the house on your own thinking, uh, what? <laughs> well, we see, we've looked at these sort of things before, right? Um, I've totally forgotten what they're called now. So was there center stage? Well, there's a, there's a few, actually, center. yeah, because on Windows in particular, there was the Can You See Me app that Can Ben Muscle-Rose put together. Yes. Now, I'm wondering, <laughs> I haven't spoken to Ben, but... It sounds like there's been a bit of working together on this. I hope that's the case yes. uh, for Ben's sake because he put together a fantastic app. I don't know if that's the case, though. A small little utility, but it was so handy for making yeah. sure you were centred in your webcam, right? I mean, it's it's such a... We're used to it on smartphones. We're telling you, you know, one big face in the centre or whatever. Um, but <laughs> having for yourself that, and, and having, me. Having that available on your desktop was fantastic. And also there was one for the Mac as well. Yeah, that's a centered head. Centered name. head. Yeah, oh, but yeah, cool. I mean, again, it's just good that it's available, right? And you can download yeah, but, that. Nobody really talks about centered head anymore, but yeah, no. that, that's um, that but is a fantastic. But this takes it one. further. The, the point I wanted to make was that, that with these AI features, you know, knowing if there is anything, you know, have I got a left a tea towel behind me on the chair or mm. whatever? Those could be incredibly useful as well. Taking it that extra step is really interesting. Yeah, I think sometimes as well, I did hear a little bit about this at the presentation. Um, Michael recorded some of it. We would have played it in, but unfortunately it was a bit of an, a reverby room and you wouldn't have been able to hear much of it. Um, even I was struggling to hear most of it. But he did. He talked about, for example, um, virtual backgrounds. You know, if you want to know if those are on or off and, and what is actually on screen when your virtual background isn't shot. Sometimes with these virtual backgrounds, you can disappear off screen if your camera's not quite right yes, and quite right. in place. So knowing that that's the case and there's not some half a head floating around in the middle <laughs> of some cyberspace <laughs> is probably good. And it's just, it's all about confidence building, right? For us, it's about confidence. We yes. want to be able to take part in these meetings. Some of us don't like putting our cameras on. It's maybe because we haven't shaved that morning or maybe we haven't just, we just don't feel very comfortable but I think a lot of it, honestly, is that fear of what's in the background, what's going on on screen, is this mm -hmm. camera even facing me? There's nothing worse than joining a meeting and someone saying, oh, Stephen, I can only see half your head. Or, yes. It just, it's There's kind of a pair quite of pants on the floor behind you. Yes. Oh, I, I just, I, I hate it. <laughs> so I, I use this thing. I was telling you this earlier because we were talking before, oddly enough. I mean, when, when do we not speak? <laughs> um, but I was telling you before because I had some people around to the house uh, earlier today and we were um, getting some work done at the back of the house. And, and you said to me, oh, did the, the people come through the house? And I said, yeah. no way. That's what the side gate's for. Uh, <laughs> round that way. And um, they didn't have to the come into the house. Unbelievable. Yes, exactly. So, Lord you know, they didn't, have to, they didn't have to come through the house, so it was fine. But the other reason was I didn't do my sweep of the house, my security sweep. <laughs> this is, I've never heard of anyone doing this, and it's a fantastic idea. You've got to do this. So you get Ira. I mean, you could get me my eyes to do this as well. I'm sure they would be able to do this. It's not, it's not a specific IRA feature, but I use it. Where all I do is I just call up IRA and say, right, I want you to audio describe my scene. I'm going to walk through the house. I want you to tell me what you see that shouldn't be there. Oof. Dangerous. So if okay. there's, as was the case on one occasion, a pair of socks on the table. 
<laughs> don't know why, but the pair of socks lying on the table. Uh, you know, okay, we don't want that there. Uh, if there's any clothes lying around, I was getting described what those were so I could make sure that nothing was embarrassing. My wife and I are both blind, so obviously things can just lie around the house by, you know, you just put something down and that's it. You know, so as a result, I, I use Ira for that. I can, you could just be my eyes for that as well. But I think it's, I think it's ingenious. And honestly, I'm going to give you credit for this one, Steve. Thank I you. think that's fantastic. I live in a house of, of three uh, women, uh, so I, you know the amount of bras that are hanging off every oh, exactly. yeah. is, is ridiculous. And uh, yeah, this is a really good. I, I never even thought of that. Just hey, I've got guests coming. Right, this is the uh, Ira guest visitor sweep. It, to give it a proper name. That, thank you. Yes, that's thank absolutely you. brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, as some other JAWS features, JAWS 2024 now in Braille, uh, you will have a split type view. Uh, so you can work with two different applications at the same time, even two different websites, two different anything, frankly. You can put it side by side. I would imagine you're going to need a bigger Braille display for this. 80 cell. I feel like 40. The, was that Jaws movie? We're going to need a bigger Braille display. Um, but yeah, that Jaws movie called Jaws. <laughs> yeah, hey, that would work. That would actually work. We're going to need a bigger. Why did they not think of that? Always yes. come to Stephen Scott for if your you need taglines. Uh, if, if you don't need a table, was it? You don't need a table when you've got a table. I'm all here for you guys. Um, <sighs> just it's a million dollars per idea. Um, but anyway, so that is so cool. I don't, I don't look. Yeah. I don't use a braille display, but that sounds really interesting to me. That splitting the between two apps. Yeah, and and it kind of goes further as well. So there was a suggestion given that you could, uh, for example, a braille teacher could use this to teach uncontracted and contracted braille at the same time. There was another idea that you could oh. check formatting attributes. So using the left hand to look at text and the right hand to quick check the font. That um, is clever. You yeah. can also to copy text from one side of the display and the other side can be used to quickly jump between applications in order to paste that copied text as well, which can help with efficiency. So lots of reasons why this would be. And it's, it's actually one of those ideas you think, why didn't one think of that before? That's actually really clever. Yeah, of course. I mean, how, how it's such an increase to your workflow, right? If you can do that so quickly, that makes total sense. Well, especially because, I mean, that's how most people work. They would usually have an app, maybe a website or another application next to each other. Whereas yes. we are constantly doing the command tab. There's no screen reader. God, can you imagine? I, I don't know how that would work, having two <laughs> websites running at the same time. Um, but it's about controlling them as well, right? That's the other thing. But yes. no, I just there's something quite cool about that, something really quite cool. So, yeah, yeah these are features coming in 2024. The Smart Glance feature I tell, told you about in the JAWS Message Center they are in JAWS 2023, uh, so they are available now. But uh, we'll certainly bring you more on that. We are due, uh, well overdue a chat, actually, with Matt Ata. We had him on the show, of course, this week, but that was a previous chat we did earlier in the year. We are well overdue a catch-up to find out what's going He's on. great. Not just with JAWS, though, but with Zoom as well and the Fusion products and all the other stuff that they do over at Vespero. They're doing lots of interesting stuff. We had that in the interview yeah. on Monday, so... Yeah, we'll definitely get a catch-up with Matt Ater soon. Uh, I want to go to Chicago. I want to go to Chicago. Oh, Chicago town. Is that right? <laughs> Sorry? I think, I think that's... I'm, I'm sure I saw it in a movie. I think that Sweet movie was home. Calamity Jane. Chicago. Um, I think that's yes. the last time I've ever heard that word. Uh, but yes, Chicago is where the ACB convention is happening. Michael Babcock is there for us, and today he is uh, finding out all about a rather interesting app that can help us move around more independently outside and uh, know what is going on uh, with the uh, pedestrian crosswalk signs. We'll tell you more about that in a minute. Uh, but first, we're going to hear all about a guide dogs organisation in America and also 
the National Library Service as well. Over to you, Michael. Hey, it's Michael here. Uh, ACB 23 additional coverage, and I am standing with Kristen at NLS. Hey, Kristen, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing great. Hey, uh, I know about NLS because, as I told you when I first came here, I've used you guys for almost all my life. What is NLS, though? So NLS is a free library service from the Library of Congress. We provide accessible materials in Braille and in audio for individuals who have visual impairments, physical disabilities or reading disabilities who might have trouble otherwise accessing um, standard print materials. Awesome. And what type of materials can you provide to users? We have all types of things. Mainly we have books and magazines, um, um, books, anything from bestsellers to um, to classics, um, things that you wouldn't see um, produced by commercial publishers, things like cookbooks, craft books, how-to books that um, they wouldn't necessarily think to produce in audio, but we do because we know that um, they're beneficial to our, our users. That makes sense. And how would someone go about getting started with getting services through NLS? Yes, absolutely. So the thing that you would do if you're in the United States, you can go to our website, which is loc.gov slash NLS, or you can call our toll-free number, which is 1-888-657-7323, and you can follow the prompts to your state. Um, that's going to put you in touch with a library in your state that it can help you get started. They'll get you an application, explain to you a little bit about eligibility services, and I also want to shout out to our, um, our state libraries across the country, because in addition to the services that we provide, a lot of them provide even more and extensive services, book clubs, large print, um, audio described video, all types of things that go on. So, you know, if you're interested and if you um, think that you would benefit from this, please call the number and get in touch with your local library. Fun fact, the very first audio described video I ever heard was Back to the Future from the Oregon Talking Book and Braille Services. So, See, so you know what I'm talking about. And honestly, if that's uh, not the best um, movie in the world to start out with. I do not know what it is. Exactly. Uh, I tell people that all the time. So one last thing before we uh, wrap uh, this sure. up is you had mentioned something awesome to me uh, right before we got started, and, and your services are available in the U.S. for U.S. residents only, but you're also partnering with the uh, Canada Library as well. Do you want to talk about that briefly? Absolutely. So our services are indeed, they're available for anybody who lives in the United States or a United States citizen who lives overseas. Um, but um, we're thrilled that through the Marrakesh Treaty, um, we are able to exchange materials with the um, with the library, um, our, our sort of sibling library in Canada. Um, we have had a fantastic collaboration with them, which is helping both of us grow our collections in English and French and um, any number of different languages. But it allows us to exchange these materials because of this treaty. Um, we just we have just recently gotten some fantastic materials in through um, the library in Canada, and um, we are um, the largest contributor to the Accessible Book Consortium, which allows those materials to be distributed not only in Canada, also in the UK, but, and also across the, the uh, world. 
Perfect. Well, thank you so much for uh, chatting with me today. And people can reach out if they are interested in getting started. And uh, you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Pam Berman from GDB here. Hey, Pam, what is Guide Dogs for the Blind? Guide Dogs for the Blind is an amazing, incredible guide dog school. We are the largest guide dog school in the United States. We have two campuses, one in San Rafael, California, and then we have our second campus in Boring, Oregon. We also have three programs now. Our Ah. guide dog program, there's a two-week program, and then we have our six-day orientation and mobility immersion program, and now we also have a canine buddy program, which is essentially a pet dog, so it doesn't have the the uh, rights of a guide dog, but it's you know a first class pet dog. So do the does the canine buddy program? Do they go through some of the same training that the guide dogs go through, they and they're s- just not certified, or how does that work? Right, they're they're pet dog, but when you you're matched with a canine buddy dog, you get a, a wonderful house broker dog with really good manners uh-huh. with the support of guide dogs for the blind for the life of the dog and at guide dogs for the blind we offer financial support if somebody needs it for uh, wellness checks for their guide dogs we also provide that for the canine buddy dog too and then if there's any other health issues with the dog for both the guide dog and for the canine buddy dog, Guide Dogs for the Blind has your back. If you need that financial support, we can help you out. That is awesome. Yeah, it is uh, fantastic. Two, three more questions for you. Number one, do you guys work with people only in the United States or do you work internationally? We also work with people in Canada Ah, okay. Well. Yes. Okay. And uh, Boring in San Rafael uh, is your white cane training or your orientation and mobility cane training. Is that done at both campuses? During the pandemic, things got kind of crazy so we were doing it in Oregon. I'm not sure if we're going to continue that but it has been primarily in San Francisco. started out at the San Francisco Lighthouse for the Blind. They have uh, uh, almost like a suite, a penthouse suites on the top Ah. floor of the lighthouse and we do it in uh, combination with the Earl Baum Center in Santa Rosa, California. But because they don't have a residential facility there, we put you in a a hotel in the area. Beautiful. Uh, Last question. Where can people get more information? And if you want, feel free to share your email as well. Guide Dogs for the Blind is guidedogs.com. You could reach out to me at P Berman, B-E-R-M-A-N, at guidedogs.com. And uh, we are here in the exhibit hall at ACB. Feel Perfect. Free to come say hello. Thank you, Pam. You have a beautiful day. Thank you, Michael. You as well. It's great talking to you. Great to learn all about Guide Dogs for the Blind in the States and uh, good to hear about the work they're doing in Canada as well, Sean. That's uh, that's really cool. There's lots of great stuff going on. I know. We should really talk about Guide Dog Guilt at some point, you know. Guide Dog Guilt? I know. I'm throwing this in there. Yeah. <laughs> totally out of the blue. But I would love a guide dog, but I always felt guilty that I'm taking it away from someone else. I always thought that uh, I'm not really 
worthy enough to use one. Um, and I've spoken to a few people who feel the same way. But, I mean, they do an amazing job, these, um, these organizations for the guide dogs. It's incredible. Yeah, uh, I must admit, it always sounds better when it comes from Canada or the US, doesn't it? It always just sounds a bit more alive. Like there's more programs, more things to do. How um, dare you? I know it does. does. Yeah, I, you're there's, right. There's nothing wrong with the organisations here in the UK, but it just, I, I, maybe, it's, maybe it's the accent. I don't know. It just Everything just feels a lot bigger <laughs> and a lot more exciting. Well, and I thought I it was know. a little harsh. Boring um, Oregon. Boring Oregon, yeah. Is that not what that company was born out of, the Boring Company? No, let's not not talk about that, Elon. But you could say the same thing when it comes to library services as well. There seems Mm. to be quite a lot of choice over in in America and Canada when it comes to accessing audiobooks like that. um, That's right. There seems to be a bit of uh, controversy around the NLS e-reader, which has been going out as well. Not so much around the the e-reader itself, because it seems to be very popular, but this issue that Google seems to be having with the Bluetooth HID compliancy. So, ah. you know, getting the device to work over Bluetooth is quite challenging at the moment. So Google have said uh, at NFB this week that uh, if you have one of these NLS e-readers, you will now be able to plug in your device and it should show up on your uh, Google device. I guess uh, that would be a Chromebook or a, an Android device, but you have to plug it in. And mm-hmm. some people aren't too happy about that. They're saying, well, hang on a minute, what is this? It's 2023, and I've got Bluetooth, and I can use any other display, so why am I having to plug this one in? So, Another head issue. Yeah, yeah this, this is a bit of an ongoing issue that uh, seems to be plaguing the company, and uh, it's not necessarily down to the accessibility team, although it does seem that Google accessibility gets chucked under the bus on yeah, this. of course they do, yes. It's, but we heard from Christopher Patno on this one, and he said, look, this is something that's more fundamental than that, and it's something that has to be discussed yep. and, and, and no you know, easy much, fix no quick fix yeah, yeah. much deeper level uh, listen stick around more from Michael coming up we'll hear about the Oco app and we'll also be finding out about menus for all a cool app on the way connect with the double tappers on social media now on Twitter and Facebook at double tap on air and on Mastodon at double tap Hey everyone, Michael here from uh, ACB23, having a blast, and I'm standing next to Michael, whose name I probably shouldn't forget. He's from Oco, and I happen to run upon him. Hey Michael, how are you? Good, good. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great. Hey, so what is Oco? <laughs> yeah, good question. So what Oco is, it's a mobile app these days, uh, only for iPhone, but what we do is we use your smartphone back camera to visually interpret the pedestrian signal. So here in the US, that's the wall sign, the do not walk sign and the countdown sign um, so we visually interpret interpret that using artificial intelligence um, and we pretty intuitively bring that information back to you whether that walk sign is on or do not walk sign is on through three types of feedback actually one of them is an audible cue the second one is a vibration cue and the third one is a visual cue so the screen lights up green and red to indicate that don't walk or walk sign so does the the municipality have to do anything special for this to work for people or does it just work with anything? Yeah, so generally it works with everything because we indeed visually interpret the light like a sighted person would do, for example. Um, I do need to say that the application is for free. So I'm, I'm originally from Belgium but living now in New York. Mm-hmm. But the vision from day one has been always the fact that if a sighted person doesn't need to pay to look at a traffic light, nor should blind and low vision pedestrians. So that's why we're uh, provided
providing this uh, app for free. But ultimately, we want to work with cities or maybe healthcare to facilitate that free charge and basically let them pay on behalf of their uh, yeah, citizens, individuals. or um, So that, that's how our uh, main goal uh, looks like. Perfect. It makes me nervous when companies say their app's free. I love it. But then you always wonder, well, where's the money going to come from? So it sounds like you guys have a strategy for that already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, in, um, here in the U.S., we're pretty much focused right now on user growth. Um, so we've been live for the past three months, and we've already helped cross 200,000 intersections in those three months, which is an amazing amount. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like our focus right now, and then turn that into a commercial plan. But we are backed by international venture capital, so that's pretty great uh, to sustain the, the business right now. But then, of course, ultimately, we need to change to uh, a commercial plan yeah. or strategy, if you call. Um, but that, that's more like down the line. But the plan isn't to, at some point, say, hey, let's charge all the users now because you want to keep that free, yeah. which makes sense. Now, if I download the app, do I create an account or do, can I just use the app? How does that process work? Yeah, good question. Um, so the app is available here in the U.S. Uh, you don't need to create an account. Uh, so you, there's basically some three or four onboarding screens just to inform you like what it's all about and everything. Uh, granting access to the camera, to GPS and those things. And then you'll, you'll be just in the app and you can just use it wherever you would like to. Beautiful. One last question. How do people get more information and can they get in contact with you directly? Sure thing. Um, the company is called Eyes, which is spelled A-Y-E-S, and it actually is an acronym for artificial eyes. So the company behind OCO, the OCO app, of course, is Eyes, and you can find more information on www.ayes.ai. Um, but you can also always reach me out to Michael at AYES.ai. And OCO is OKO, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. OKO. Available in the United States only at this time. Do you guys have any plans to expand or do you know yet? Yeah, so originally from Belgium. So OCO also exists in uh, Belgium. It also exists in Spain, Japan, and also US. So four countries right now. Okay, well, that is exciting. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate it. And you have a beautiful day. Yeah, my pleasure. Really good to hear all about Oco and lots more from Michael to come. Don't forget Michael and DeMassey, who is at the NFB convention in Texas, will be joining us on Saturday's Double Tap Express. So uh, tune in for more on all of this and their reactions to the conventions at the end of the week. Now, let's talk about going out for dinner. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I often just like to order the burger because it's the easiest, usually because the menu is inaccessible and that can be a real problem. Well, thankfully, there is an app to solve this, Menus for All. And to tell us more about it is their Vice President of Marketing, Stephanie Jones, who joins us now. Good to have you on Double Tap, Stephanie. Well, thank you for having me. This is wonderful. Yeah, it is wonderful to talk to you. And I'm so glad you got in touch to tell us about the app, but also to tell us about uh, the fact that you were keen to come on. Because I was saying to you just before we started, you know, you're on the list. You're on the list of things we want to talk about on this show. And uh, sometimes sometimes you get to us first. That's usually how it goes. So I'm really glad that you uh, did that and you got in touch with us. So for people who don't know, shame on them all. But what is Menus for All? So Menus for All is an iOS app that has been created to provide access to restaurant menus. Every one of the menus of all over 1 million that we have currently are fully accessible, whether that's with low vision customizations, voiceover, refreshable braille displays, and even with voice control. So all of these restaurant menus have been structured to be built on accessibility first. 
Yeah, look, I've been to so many restaurants, and it's, I often tell the story of whenever I go to a restaurant, I'll just order a burger because it's the easiest thing, right? You just know everyone's got everywhere's got a burger at least, so you can at least ask for that, uh, and it saves the hassle of asking the server uh, to go through the menu because what you're going to get is. Maybe, you know, I often think it's like lazy jaws. Uh, so you maybe have like someone start off by reading some of the headings and then they start reading through some of the options and then they get bored, right? And family members do that as well. They just get bored. So it's just like, forget it. I, I, if you want to read the menu, I'd rather read it myself. And I'd ideally like it to be accessible. And that's what this offers, right? That's what this is all about. Because you know what? There's so much past just a burger. I'm like you. All of us had these safe bet foods that we could always order at specific restaurants because we kind of knew that they were going to cause us the least amount of trouble, right? We knew we could get them without a whole lot of explanation and without having to tell everyone, oh, I can't read the menu because of such and such, because I'm blind, because I'm visually impaired. I can't access your menu. Well, now with Menus for All, all you have to do is open the app and you will have access to hundreds of restaurant menus that could be just within a short distance from you and they're all accessible so you're not having to guess whether or not you're going to have access to these particular this particular network of menus i went onto your website i saw that you have kind of tailored this particular app this week to the conventions that are going on with the NFB and ACB. Uh, and you're encouraging people to to have this so that if people, I guess, are going out in Houston or going out in Chicago, they can pick a restaurant and they know what the options are. Right. I mean, how many times have we all traveled and you're like, I'm in a new place. I can barely find restaurant menus that are accessible near my current location, near my home. What am I going to do when I travel? And that's one great thing. You can open up the app, land in the Near Me tab, find accessible restaurant menus that are in order of distance from your current location. In honor of the NFB and ACB conventions, because of the work that these organizations do for the blind and visually impaired community, Menus for All wanted to give back a little bit. So for every download that comes through either the NFB link or the ACB link, Menus for All is do making a donation to the respective organization. It's just our way of showing them some love for thanking them for the work that they're doing. And at the same time, hey, the Menus for All app can help you as you're traveling to the convention. Like I've already scoped out restaurants near both hotels in both cities, and I never left Memphis. Um, so that's always a great feature. I can bookmark what I found as my favorites. And then once I'm on the ground, I already know what my plan is and everybody else is trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem, right? And, and, you know, this kind of brings it around to the reality uh, of, of being blind is that you do have to be prepared. You've got to put the work in ahead of time, right? It is. It makes it a little bit more streamlined, makes it a little less stressful when you can do that. But look, when you're hungry, who wants to spend an hour trying to figure out where you're going to eat? And then trying to figure out how am I going to navigate the menu? At that point, you've become hungry and angry and you just don't even care. You just get the burger, but it's not really what you wanted. Why not take a little time, look, see, and you may find out, yeah, I was in the mood for a burger, 
But this mushroom ravioli dish over here sounds so much better. And it's something I never had before. And you've got a new favorite. And what was the genesis of this? Where did the idea come from? How did it, how did it come to be? So our CEO and my business partner, Helen Fernetti, when she was studying accessibility at World Services, she started befriending the individuals who were helping her show her what accessibility was all about and how the end user was affected by accessibility or the lack thereof. So she started taking individuals out to lunch and dinner to tell them thank you. And she would get to the restaurant and here were these entrepreneurs highly educated individuals, people who were doing amazing things, but they couldn't access a restaurant menu. And she thought, well, technology might be able to solve this. And so she started working on prototypes, taking more people out to lunch and dinner, showing them what she had come up with, taking their their feedback and making some tweaks here and there. And then when she moved to Memphis and I got introduced to her, we've been off and running ever since. And when we launched our website in 2019, we thought we were doing great with 50,000 restaurant menus across the United States. We kept hearing, this should be an app. This should be an app. And one day we said, you know what? This needs to be an app. So that's what we did. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, it's not. there might be a tendency to think that it's local restaurants that are on there, but you've got big names. You've got Starbucks. I see you've got Chick-fil-A. You've got Applebee's. You've got Cracker Barrel. You've got all the... The, the standard names you would expect across the states? We have a lot of the standard names. We have a lot of mom and pops, little small diners, holes in the wall. We have even five-star dining options. I've been so tickled as I've traveled um, to pop into something, literally a hole in the wall, like where we're outside going, where is the door? We can't find us. And then I open the app and there it is in there. And it was the least expected place. And then I've been in five-star dining restaurants, again, with people of noteworthiness, you know, celebrity. And I have access to the restaurant menu because it was in the app. And not because I did anything special, but just because it was there. So it's been awesome. No, I mean, I mentioned the U.S., but of course, in Canada, you have a number I mean, actually quite staggering numbers of restaurants that have, uh, you know, provided their menus. You've got the menus. I mean, in Toronto, for example, 6,260. In Winnipeg, 1,580. 2,800 in Vancouver. Just over 2,500 in Edmonton. I mean, that is absolutely fantastic. So I, I guess the most obvious question is how do you, first off, get access to the menus and how do you make sure they're up to date? Is that on you or is that on the restaurant? Well... That was one of the things we were concerned about when we started this. We wanted something that was going to update and keep information current. How many times have we gone to a restaurant, asked for a Braille menu, Mm. and it's five years old? Well, we don't want that experience. You know, so if you want a Braille menu, we want it to be current. Again, we went to a restaurant supply company, information supply company. And we were able to work with them to purchase a database that would bring this restaurant information in. So when a restaurant makes a change on their end, so let's say they are no longer selling blueberry muffins. They push that change to the database. Then that change is automatically pushed to us. So those are some wonderful ways we thought this was great because every day that database is refreshed and we're getting that new information. So if something is added, it gets in there. Something's taken away, it comes out. 
And those are the things that we wanted to make sure that we had in place. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. And now you, you're in the US and Canada. Uh, no plans outside the, the those countries yet? Like I'm in the UK, well, right? So what about me? <laughs> I wouldn't say no plans. I would say that one of our things that we are talking about, we're wanting to be able to do is to expand to other countries. Now, are we ready to do it next week? No, but we are in conversation that make those things happen. And is it something the community can get involved in? Because you know, you know what we're like as blind people. We all, you know, once someone gets hold of something, we're all off and running and telling the world about it. And, you know, we're using social media or whether it's just word of mouth in groups or in Facebook groups or whatever it is, is you can often find that the community will, will engage. And I've seen this a lot where almost it's a little bit of crowdsourcing involved as well. Even just telling people, telling the restaurants that we all go to, hey, did you hear about this? You should, you know, get your menu on here and make your menu more accessible to more people. Is that an option, perhaps? Well, what we've been able to do is that if someone finds a restaurant that's not in our database, if they can send me an email at stephanie at menusforall.com, we can get the restaurant information. If they send me the restaurant name and the complete address, we can submit that request to the database company. And they have been awesome to work with us and been have been able to add several of them. We started in November with 750,000 restaurant menus, and we're now over a million. So we're growing. Yes, we are able to add new places. But you touched on something that's so important, and that is getting this out there to the community and showing restaurants, entrepreneur groups, investor groups that this type of stuff is important. Helen and I went through a lot of individuals in order to get this far. And it was a lot of education explaining how this would affect those in the blind and visually impaired community. A lot of times we got basic questions like, well, how does a blind person use a smartphone? Mm. How does a person with blindness go to a restaurant? Well, why can't they just sit there and be happy with having the menu read to them? And no one truly understood that there was a lot of social and emotional, psychological things that went to not having access to something simple that we take for granted in everyday life. And that's one of the things that we want to always make sure that we're talking about is one, just the exposure, some disability awareness, some blindness, visual impairment awareness. But at the same time, if we can be included in things such as a restaurant menu, maybe someone will see this and think, huh, well, I bet you I can include this person in employment in ways I never thought was possible. Maybe I can include this person in a class that I didn't think was possible. So maybe I'm hoping, you know, and that's me as a person with blindness and visual impairments. Every time I get to talk about this, I'm hoping that someone who had no idea that this was possible will think about it and think about what's next. Yeah, I love that. Uh, because that's so important, right? I mean, yeah. it's interesting because it's an app and, you know, like all apps, you know, it might have a subscription. We'll talk about that. Uh, and, you know, we, we pay for the app and we use the app and that's great. But we kind of just use it and that's it. But apps for us sometimes tend to have a deeper meaning to them. 
and often have a moral purpose as well as obviously a business purpose, right? I mean, we all have to eat, right? I, I mean, obviously now with an accessible menu, it's even better. But, you know, we all have to physically eat as well to, to survive. So, you know, we all got to make money and do what we have to do. But at the end of the day, there is a moral aspect to this. And like you say, actually talking to restaurants, showing them that, you know, blind people use smartphones, you know, and, and yeah, we don't want to sit and be read to. You know, it's, right. not, it's not story time. We're not children. And, and and actually, that's part of it, isn't it? It's infantilization in a lot of ways. That's what leads to this, is that, you know, we just get sit and we, we just get read to, which is ridiculous. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm so glad that you're you're working on this. Now, let's talk about the subscription side of it. So uh-huh. there is a fee. Uh, so there is, is a, monthly? a subscription. Right. There's both a monthly and an annual option. Okay. So monthly $2.99 USD. Annually, twenty nine ninety nine USD, and that actually gives you two months for free. But either subscription path you choose, there's a fourteen day trial because we, you know, seven days we didn't think was long enough. You download it on Monday, you have plans to go out on Friday, and then they're canceled, and then you didn't get a chance to try the app out, right? So we wanted to give people time to get out there and, you know, maybe try dinner out on Tuesday or, you know, go out the following weekend and have a chance to sit in their homes and look at all the different options within the app so that they knew that they were getting something that they wanted. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you about a feature which, to be honest, this would sell it on its own for me. It's called the Waiter Alert Flashlight. Explain this. So again, this is one of those things where when we were talking to individuals about what were their pain points when they went to a restaurant, everyone's like, well, I don't know who my waiter is. I can't identify the waiter as they're walking by. And so I'm sitting there waiting for ketchup or my bill and my rides here and I need to go, but I can't flag down the right person. And that's happened to me. I've asked the people who are just headed to the restroom. You know, hey, are you the white? And they're like, no, I'm not. And so I've flagged down the wrong person. So what we've done is been able to create a way to turn on the flashlight that's automatically built into your iOS device, into your iPhone. You turn on the waiter alert light. There's audible feedback that lets you know you turned it on. And there's haptic feedback to let you know that it's turned on. And it's a great conversation starter. When you sit down, wait, wait staff sits you down and says, oh, I'm, you know, so-and-so, I'll be your waiter. You'd be like, hey, you know, one of the things, I'm, I am visually impaired, but I have access to the menu. But if I need some assistance at the table, I might hold up my phone with my flashlight, you know, the light turned on to let you know that I need, kind of like a beacon to let mm-hmm. you know I need some assistance. You know, it's a great way to kind of kick off the conversation, let them know that that's something that you can do. Again, we took technology that's already there, the flashlight built into your iOS device, and we just found a new purpose for it that helps us. How about that? Yeah. And again, it's not another thing, right? It's not a special button or a special blind box that you get. You know, (laughs) I hate all that stuff. I just hate all that nonsense. It's like, I've got a smartphone here. Can I use it? Uh, It's it's got all these features in it. And and, uh, to be honest, that isn't even something I would have considered. The amount of times I've sat in a restaurant thinking, how am I going to get anyone's attention? Because I don't even know who the staff are. Right. 
So it's right. like, who are the staff? I mean, I could be waving anybody down here. You know, I, I do this in stores all the time. Do you work I here? Do. No. Do you work here? No. Uh, <laughs> it's just a nightmare. And, you know, we have these common experiences. And like I said, we heard people talking about that. We heard people talking about, you know, I have allergies to certain foods. I need the description, mm-hmm. not just to know that there's a burger. I need to know what's on the burger so that I can make a decision on whether or not this was a good item for me to order. I We heard stories about pricing. I have, Helen and I were at a convention. We watched this young lady order a burger from the menu. And as the waiter went to walk away, she said, how much is that? And he said, $27. And she, I was so in, I was embarrassed at the next table for her because she was so flustered. She's like, $27, all I ordered was a plain burger. And he was like, well, yes, ma'am, it's $27. And she's like, I can't do that. She's like, I'm glad I asked you before you started making it. She's like, but I can't do that. And she had to leave. She left the restaurant. But that's not a situation I don't want to be in. And, you know, other people may take it and be okay with it. Me, I want to know that stuff up front. I want to know that the burger is $27 and be able to make a choice for myself whether or not that's what I want to order without having to tell everybody at the table that I'm not wanting to order a $27 burger. So, so many things, isn't there? There's so many parts to this, just going out for yeah. a simple meal. And there are so many aspects. And if, if you don't have that information in front of you, there are decisions you just cannot make. It goes past having access to a restaurant menu. Yeah. Incredible. So menus for all, and it's the number four, is uh, what you want to type in. And it's menusforall.com where you'll get all the information about the subscription. And also there's important links for the ACB and the NFB conventions this week if you want to get a bit of a discount there as well. Also on the website, I notice you've got a lot of voiceover tutorials, which is fabulous. So if you're a voiceover user, you can get to grips with this app and you've got some instructions there. You don't see that often with apps, so that's fantastic. And um, I'm guessing Apple only? So right now, again, one of those conversations that we are having, and that's just A matter of finding funding so that we can not only keep iOS going, but also grow into the Android side. So iOS for the moment, but hopefully we'll make that change sooner rather than later. It's a fantastic app. I'm so glad that it's out there and it's doing uh, what it's doing. I hope it comes to the UK soon. Um, I'm sure you have enough work on your plate just to keep um, it going with all the restaurants in the States and Canada. But, uh, you know, I, I'd certainly imagine this would be something a lot of people outside of, of the US and, and Canada would really appreciate. So, yeah, this is fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Stephanie, and telling us about it. I really appreciate your time and thanks for reaching out. Well, thank you so much. At least I know who to go to when we do come to the UK. There you go. Come talk to us. We talk to the world. That's what we do. Everyone listens. Uh, But thank you so much, Stephanie. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. You all have a great day. And there goes another hour of Double Tap. It's been a busy one today, Sean. It really has. But uh, a really interesting conversation about that app. And uh, 
Fantastic. I, I would love that. I just oh, trying to get the waiter drives me crazy. I just sit there with my hand up like I'm at school. Uh, <laughs> a fantastic idea. Uh, listen, more to come from the conventions tomorrow, and we'll also be uh, keeping you up to date with your feedback as well, and lots more besides. Double Tap continues tomorrow. Keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com, 1877-803-4567. That's it for today. Sean, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.